Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Triple Crown, part of the Kickout 299 Network. I am Jessie, whose pronouns are she and her, and I am absolutely elated over the Champion Carnival Finals. I'm Rachel. My pronouns are they, them. I'm Alicia. My pronouns are she, her. After nine days and 31 matches, Champion Carnival 2022 is done and dusted, and we have our winner and next challenge for Kento's Triple Crown Championship. So sit back and relax as we take you through what went down at Champion Carnival. Day one was on April 9th, and we have Nomura defeated Yoshitatsu in 9 minutes and 45 seconds. T-Hawk defeated Honda in 7 minutes. Shigehiro Irie defeated Shuji Ishikawa in 11 and a half minutes. Ashino defeated Jake Lee in 6 minutes and 30 seconds. Kumar defeated Kento in 13 minutes and 26 seconds. And Yuma defeated Suwama in 14 minutes. So what did you guys think of day one? Very strong opening day. Super strong card from top to bottom. There was a lot to like about pretty much all of these matches. Though I will say for me off the top, because really I think one of the more fascinating things we will talk about during this episode is Jake Lee's journey through this particular champion carnival. I was very underwhelmed by Shotaro and Jake Lee. This was a tough match for me. I was excited about it, especially because I thought that last year's uh, was really disappointing. It ended super quickly. There was so much promise there because we were coming off of the Enfants and the Total Eclipse storyline. So I had really expected a lot more from last year's Champion Carnival between those two. And we didn't really get that at all. I think really Jake Lee kind of just steamrolled the Shino and that was sort of the end of that So I was expecting a lot more from them meeting up in this particular champion carnival. And I thought it was really underwhelming. It was fine. It wasn't a bad match by any means. Uh, I thought the ending was good. Um, I like that Ashino got the win here, but it just felt really flat to me. Jake always sells really well for Ashino. So there's always that. And I just, but I just feel like there's something missing in terms of their chemistry together. And I just always want there to be something a little bit more there, especially because we had that incredible storyline between them with Total Eclipse and Enfants. So that was a little bit underwhelming uh, for me to start the, the carnival off. But again, there were so many other components to this, this card that, you know, one underwhelming match out of all of these different matches, that's really not too bad. And I do have to say that uh, Dr. Jonathan McCoy loved Ashino singing to Fuel with the head beat um, on beat. So there you go, the, rather the <laughs> head bang on beat. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a highlight of that match for sure. Uh, I have to agree. I wasn't super, super thrilled with the Ashino uh, Jake Lee match. I actually had forgotten that match happened on the first night. Um, So uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. I think you hit the nail on the head. They obviously like working together, but there just seems to be something missing in their chemistry. And I actually thought that about their triple crown match as well. And that match was very good, but there just seems to be a little something missing. 
But in saying that, you reminded me, it's funny because the, there's something missing in the match, but then afterward, in terms of the post-match interaction between the two, the chemistry is right there. So it's really, it's just strange how something is not clicking in the wrestling, but in their interactions with each other, that's usually where I see something. It's just that I want that something to also be in the wrestling. No, like always, I totally agree with um, what both of you said. Jake and Ashina is missing something. I just, maybe their wrestling styles just clash and it's just not a perfect match, but there is something missing. Um, it did go for three more minutes than 2021's match between them. Um, <laughs> I thought maybe this is Ashina's like redemption, like maybe revenge. Like, okay, I'm going to end you in less than 10 minutes because you ended me in less than five minutes. But um, it was probably. Like, I love these two guys, but it was probably my least favorite match of day one. But saying that, I thought day one was very, very good. The opener was great. Having all 12 men on day one to show them, like, okay, we're here. We want to win. This is what we're offering. Um, yeah, it was really smart. It was. And there were some really um, great matches later on and after Shotaro and Jake. I mean, Kuma Arashi and Kento. That was a standout for me on this day. Kuma really um, shut me up. I, I had kind of said in you know our previous episode that I was <laughs> doubting why Kuma was on the was on the Champion Carnival uh, lineup over Koji Doi, and he made me eat my words. And I'm glad that he did. <laughs> I was thrilled um, to see the chemistry between these two. It was an electric match. I mean, they were they were excellent and that like senton that i think it was a, like a like a diving i'm not a ma- i'm not a moves guy so just 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 saying that right now so i'll get the move names wrong but that diving like senton move that kuma did to kento on the outside that kento just ate that looked amazing it looked brutal and they were just fantastic with each other the entire match and in kuma defeating kento he looked incredible he looked like a ready-made star and like I, I was obsessed with this match. And, you know, again, it's just another standout in my head. And we were only on day one. I have the exact same notes on that senton. It was brutal and it just yep. looked so good. <laughs> the exact same word, actually, in my notes uh, says brutal. I do also have in my notes to uh, call out Alicia for being a Kuma disbeliever. Um, so I'm glad that I'm glad that she changed her tune. Yeah, no, I, I agree that this made Kuma look like a star. And uh, if Kento holds on to that belt, after the champion carnival winner faces him. I would love to see uh, Kuma step up and, and challenge. It would be a very, very, very fun match. Cause this, that's the best word for this match. It was just fun, like from start to finish. Um, I'm going to say a match, which probably think people are going to disagree with me, but my favorite match of the day was actually Suji versus Shigehiri. Um, I absolutely love this match. It was just two guys beating each other up, and that's like the best kind of wrestling to me. They just went at it. They just went full force. I absolutely love this, and I love the finish where the referee had to stop the match. There was no pin or submission. The referee was like, nah, um, so you just had enough. This is it. You're done. I don't think that's unpopular at all, Jesse. I, I remember seeing a lot of people talking about the Irie and Shuji match for exactly the reasons that you said. I mean, this was just hard hitting. These two looked great together. And we're going to talk about MVPs and, you know, who we felt would be in those positions for us later on. But um, I'm just going to say now that Ishikawa is, is probably my MVP. Honestly, he had a fantastic tournament and it truly started here with this match. Yeah, 100%. I have nothing to add there because it was a fantastic match. And I was very curious on who you'd pick as MVP. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Uh, the last match I want to talk about from day one is the main event, which is Yuma and Suama. This was good. Yuma finally got a one versus one win over Suama, which is something he wanted. He debuted a new move called The Fool, which just looks like he's Rockstar Buster. So I was a bit confused, like, what's the difference? But I am so biased to their 2021 Triple Crown match that I'm just like, this didn't live up to that level of intensity that they had during that match. And I know these are two different matches. This is a tournament match and last year was a title match, but I just thought, I don't know, it could be a little bit better. No, I agree with you, Desi. I mean, I thought that this was a solid carnival match. Um, I thought this was a solid win for Yuma and he needed this win. He needed to overcome Suwama. It's going to be, you know, again, Laura, as we talk through these, these different shows, it's going to play into Yuma's journey throughout this tournament. However, I agree with you. I think that their other match for the triple crown was much stronger. Um, I was looking for something a little bit more here, but again, just a solid match. It was a nice match to end the show on, but this is definitely not my favorite of the two matches. One more thing I want to mention from day one was Suwama's personality change. He is now good guy Suwama. I don't know why he's changing this way. It might be because of voodoo murderers and he's like forgetting that, forgetting his evil side, going back to his good side. But I do have a little report of his good guy status coming later in the episode. So that's a bit fun. Okay. I'm riveted by this storyline. This is like <laughs> one of the most interesting parts of the champion carnival and the way that every member of um, evolution and evolution adjacent has handled this has been incredibly entertaining. Brilliant. Like the backstages are just so worth watching uh, over this storyline. It's just so funny. And Sawama, we'll talk about it uh, probably in the next uh, next set of matches, but uh, he, he's just, it's so good. It's so funny. I did theorize that it was also over the Champions Night 3 storyline where he like has his soul has been split between his evil half and his good half. But I'm not sure. They've also said in Tokyo Sports that it could just be that he wants a change going into the 50th anniversary that he doesn't feel like he's doing enough. So there's a couple of different theories that we could throw around there with where that is going. I loved on um, a Tokyo Sport tweet, Ashino um, quote retweeted it and just said, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> that same Tokyo Sports article said, whenever Suwama starts thinking about things, bad things happen. So <laughs> it was just, this is peak storytelling. This is what wrestling is all about. <laughs> on April 10th, we had day two. Sushi Ishikawa defeated T-Hawk in just under 10 minutes. Nomura defeated Yuma in 11 minutes. And Kento and Suama wrestled to a 30-minute draw. Um, I thought T-Hawk and Suji opening uh, Champion Carnival for day two was great. I loved how T-Hawk just attacked a leg because, like, how do you take down a giant? You just attack the leg. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought T-Hawk lifting up Suji with ease was great like it was so impressive and T-Hawk got a crap ton of offense in here so I was surprised he lost in the end I agree with you Jesse I I really liked T-Hawk's methodical approach to trying to bring Shuji down and Shuji looked 
really good throughout this entire match. And I actually wrote down in my notes that a few months ago, this wouldn't have been a match I would have cared all that much about, which sounds really harsh, but it's just true because I'm I'm not much of a T-Hawk fan. And then for a while I was kind of flat on Shuji, but these two were great together. And I really, um, you know, I really cared about, you know, what the outcome of this match in the end. And Ishikawa definitely had my attention um, right at the start of this carnival. So I was really happy with this opener. Yuma and Nomura, I thought was a lot of fun. I think day one was like serious Yuma or day two was like, no, I'm just going to be cheeky and let loose a bit. Like we all saw him. He was slapping Nomura's ass. Like there's no way around it. (laughs) It just was peak Yuma. It was classic humor. Um, then he got his ass kicked, which is like my favorite thing. But no, I love this. Everyone was talking it up so much. Yeah, and it was co- yeah, everyone was correct. Nomura was incredible this entire tournament. You actually can't find a bad Nomura match. <laughs> they, they were yeah. all excellent. Um, he's another extremely strong contender for MVP of this tournament, actually. But no, this was this was excellent. This is not my favorite Nomura match, but it's um, one of the the more excellent ones for sure. Him and Yuma had great spots together, great chemistry. Really, really love this one. Super solid match. Yeah, I really, really, really liked this match. I thought it was just extremely energetic. Like they both just brought their own specific energies. I feel just like you said, Jesse, where they sort of almost uncover their personalities at this point where Yuma was a little more serious going in against Sawama and Nomura was pretty like I'd say disrespectful to Yoshitatsu which I found very enjoyable (laughs) (laughs) however uh, here you get to really see both of them you get to see sort of how crisp um, Nomura is those uh, palm strikes are really really good I really like them But uh, yeah, I just, I thought it was great. I thought um, Yuma's charisma was fantastic. It was just on full display here. It was just good. The finish was great. And yeah, just a really, really good match. I was really looking forward to this one after seeing Twitter talking about it. And I was not disappointed. And uh, for the main event, Suwama versus Kento, I just, I love these two so much. They just have amazing chemistry. It's your classic modern day all Japan pairing, which if, you could compare it it'll be like new japan's uh tanahashi and okada oh thanks to alicia and rachel i'd know it's uh noah's sagira and shiozaki so <laughs> if you think of those like two pairings and that's what you get with swama and kento when it's a big match they always pull it out they pull out all the stops i absolutely loved the ending when swama just had to get one more lariat in before the time was up Yeah, I wrote down in my notes that this match just screams AJPW to me. And you said it the absolute best, just such a classic matchup. It draws you in and it tells you exactly what to love out of AJPW and what to expect from the promotion. And it just sort of hits on all the classic Kento Suwama moments from what I've sort of learned of them so far in my short time watching AJPW. And I just really loved it um i also really loved the little extra suwama storyline going back to honor student suwama with him sort of struggling to balance out he grabs the ring bell and he's sort of like oh no what am i that doing was amazing <laughs> that he was... tried to shake kento's hand twice kento wanted nothing to do with him my god yeah and they contrasted so well in a way that you just really wouldn't have expected from their previous interactions but 
it still worked into who they are. It's, it's just great. It's just a really, really great match. I really love this too. I don't have a dissenting opinion on this really. Although if you had shown me on paper that these two were going to go to a draw on day two, I might have grumbled a little bit. I might've grumbled a little bit, but this ended up being a really excellent draw. They were good. And, you know, sometimes with, uh, with Suama, he, he works a little slow when he's not super motivated. Right. But he and Kento worked, they really kicked this into a higher gear. This is actually one of their better matchups in any match that they've had in, in a little bit, you know, cause they're not going to show up to every match. like kicked up into a higher gear. Right. But this really brought it. And um, I was actually really happy with what, this one. I was much more pleased with it than I thought I was going to be going into it. So there you go. They really did like show out. I definitely say if you're, uh, if you haven't watched this match already, please seek it out and just get really excited for that last five minutes. Cause it is fantastic. They build to it beautifully. And it's just, it's so fun. It's, it's crazy, crazy exciting. On April 11th was day three. Yoshitatsu defeated Kuma in 9 minutes and 43 seconds. T-Hawk defeated Ishino in 12 minutes and 5 seconds. Suama defeated Nomura in just over 11 minutes. And in the main event, Jake Lee defeated Suji in 22 minutes and 43 seconds. I just want to start with um, Ishino and T-Hawk's match. I know they had a wrestle match and people love it. I have not seen the match. I don't know just how good it is, but I thought this was actually a pretty good match. And we also got um, Red Gear Ishino, which is always a plus. <laughs> He does look good in the red gear. Jesse, I'll DM you the match after this. <laughs> and yes, <please. laughs> this matchup was good for W1 reasons. This match is also really intense. There's a lot of like Ashino machismo going on in this match. It was really intense, but this was good. The only problem that I had really, and I had this issue, I think consistently with T-Hawk, I think throughout this tournament and I'm reaching back into my brain because I feel like this was also like the longest month of my life. I did not like the stolen pin here on Ashino. I felt like that really cheapened the quality of the match overall. I felt like it was super unnecessary. It doesn't make, you know, Ashino look good. It doesn't make T-Hawk look good, but they did this like stolen finish thing with T-Hawk a lot during this tournament. And I don't, and granted, I'm not someone who knows a ton about T-Hawk. I watch T-Hawk when he's in promotions like All Japan or when he shows up at other promotions that I'm watching or when I've watched W1. So I'm not like someone who knows a lot about his character or why maybe they made this choice with his booking in this tournament. But the finish of this match really took me out of the experience of this match, which is super hard hitting, super good. They have a very specific chemistry, these two. So it really worked on a couple different levels, but that like like that feeling of a pin sort of finish just like made me very confused about what kind of story they were looking to tell with T-Hawk in this tournament. I just didn't really think that he was trying to play the underdog, but that's what you're doing if you're having him steal these wins like that off of people like Ashino. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I thought it was a fantastic match up until the finish, which just sort of, um, I don't want to say soured the whole match, but it did leave me really confused, um, especially coming off of the uh, Ishikawa match, same sort of situation. It was just sort of a weird kind of uh, weird kind of finish that didn't quite fit with, I guess, my vision of T-Hawk, because like I said, I'm not super familiar with him either, but he comes across as being like this big ace sort of figure. And then you have him playing almost just this scrappy underdog who has to, you know, fight this finish out. And it was, it was interesting. Like it, I, I did not particularly like that finish. Um, 
And of course, Ashino was wearing his uh, special red uh, gear and he almost always, I think he has always lost when he wears that gear. So I, he walked in and I think about halfway through the match, I was like, oh no, he's wearing the cursed gear. <laughs> oh, this isn't going to end well. And then, you know, like five minutes later he lost. I was like, yeah, all right. Um, so <laughs> there was that, that was my biggest problem with the match. No. Um, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, Alicia. He did on day one against Honda. Honda hit his finisher and then T-Hawk rolled him up. And then he did it again in this match against Ashino. I don't really get why he did that. I don't think he rolled up anybody else during the carnival, but I don't think he won another match. But yeah, it was a weird choice. We can't really forget to talk about, I'm sure it'll come up, but we can't forget to talk about Honda as well, actually, and his his journey through this tournament. This is a very interesting tournament, a very good tournament, but just some very interesting choices in terms of individual people's booking. How's that? Yeah, hard agree. Very, very hard agree. There's a lot to uh, dissect there. So what did you guys think of <laughs> Sawama and Nomura? <laughs> me, I personally thought that this was the match of the tournament for me. This was excellent. This is everything I like about pro wrestling, actually, was this match. I love <laughs> a veteran ruining a young guy's life. This match <laughs> is so, so good for that. And then we got Suwama briefly like snapping back into like real Suwama self and not like whatever he's trying to do is like good guy Suwama and scaring everyone in evolution. So like he just tried to take Nomura's head off and he succeeded. Like he rocked Nomura and it looked incredible. This was awesome. I loved this match. As we continued throughout the tournament, I was waiting to see if there would be anything that would overtake like how good and how cool this match was no this match was match of the tournament for me yeah same it was definitely my match of the tournament I was really surprised by the uh, grappling that started the match I thought it was just really nice wrestling I, I just haven't really seen a lot of that out of Suwama so I was just really kind of impressed with that but after that it was just incredible it was an incredibly simple story that was just told perfectly like you said just watching you know an old man put a, a young ace from another promotion in his place it's just perfect Suwama plays a great mean veteran it's yeah yeah just if Nomura didn't impress you after standing up after that first brutal brutal lariat to take a second one then I don't know what you're doing like quite frankly if that did not just blow your mind then I don't know what would that final lariat like I felt that I'm still feeling it we'll definitely talk about that lariat <laughs> that's that's coming up at the end of the episode <laughs> what about you Jesse I agree um with both of you it's probably not my match of the tournament but it is up there definitely like top three I think this might be the first time match I'm not 100% sure but they just work so well together so I'm kind of adopted Nomura styles at the start. And then as the match went on, he got more and more on his own style, you know, variants, big power moves. I thought it was, yeah, great. Really, really good. Moving on to the main event now, which was Jake versus Suji. This was okay. I don't think it helped going on after Suama, Nomura, and Teok and Ashino. I think it was maybe the weakest of the three. I think it suffered going on after Suwama and Namora and Teok and Ashino. I thought those matches were better. Suji had to be the fast one in this match, and he's not usually the fast one in matches. Well, Jake was kind of his slow, brooding self. 
which did pick up in the end. Yeah, I thought it was good, but it could have been better. I agree with you, Jesse. And this is where I started to get a little concerned about Jake. And again, we're going to talk about Jake's journey through this tournament. But I will say that Jake's jujitsu in particular looked really good against Shuji. So I will, I will absolutely always give Jake that. His, his jujitsu looks very good. And I'm sure that he'd be proud to know that. But the stalling in this match didn't work for Jake. And I think the stalling in general that he's adopted as part of this character for Total Eclipse does not work for him and his style of wrestling. It didn't work here. This match also went really long. It's, you know, it was the longest of the day and especially following the first three or rather that the two came before it, especially this just didn't work on this day. I think it fell really flat and there was just something I think, I think he was, at this point of of the tournament in particular, missing a step. And I think that happens to him as we continue as well up through a certain point. And we'll we'll talk about that when we get to the point where he sort of wakes up because he does at a certain point. But this is where um, I started to just make note that, you know, it didn't seem like Jake was quite there yet. And certainly in this match, you know, something wasn't quite working. I think you said it absolutely perfectly. I have nothing really to add there. It was uh, it was a good match. I think it did just sort of um, fall flat as a main event. If they had switched um, Nomura and Suwama with this match, I probably would have uh, walked away a little more positively about it. But it was it was a fine match. Day four was on the thirteenth of April, and we had Ashino defeated Ricky Honda in nine minutes. Jake Lee defeated Shigehiro Irie in 13 minutes and Kento defeated Nomura in 16 minutes. Uh, we will talk about it more a bit later, but I do just have to mention right now, Ashino and Honda shaking hands. I, d- I don't think anybody was expecting that, um, but I think they work well together. Obviously, they've been feuding since January, so they do have good chemistry. And Honda looked like he was having a really good time in the ring, which I loved. He just had this big, cheesy smile on his face, and I just loved it. Yeah, this match was very intriguing in a lot of ways. At first, I actually thought that Ashino was uh, also infected with the honor student virus and was trying to be a super good guy. But I mean, he had he didn't really do that the rest of the tour. So it was that was very interesting. And their little moment afterwards with uh, definite respect from Ashino was uh, just very fascinating. I'm not sure where we're going there. And like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But um, yeah, Honda was just having a really good time this match. I It obviously pales in comparison to their last man standing match. You know, how can you top that really? But it, it definitely opens up more for them to continue their feud friendship uh, in the future. So I have no complaints about this one. Yeah, it was a nice match. I think that almost anything was going to be a little bit, not disappointing, but just not nearly as exciting as Champions Night 3 was, right? And I, and especially because I can't quite make sense of the sudden show of respect. And there's like three different sets of handshakes we have to make sense of at the end of this episode. So we have a lot to unpack when it comes to all that, but this was definitely much more interesting, I think, from a story standpoint than almost anything else. Yeah, the match itself was just fine. I mean, it was nine minutes. It's worth watching, but it's definitely a lot more fascinating when you think about how Honda, you know, a month prior pulled a knife on Ashino. So, (laughs) attempted murder. 
<laughs> actual manslaughter. <laughs> for the Jake Irie match, I thought it was much better than day three for Jake. I love Irie. He can do no wrong in my book. Uh, I love his moves, how he just throws his whole body at his opponent and just like, oh, we'll see what happens. If it works, it works. Um, I thought there were a lot of fun moments in this match. Jake Lee counting with the referee, the 10 count, Irie biting uh, Jake's hand. But I thought it was really good. The last knee that connected with Irie made me like say like, oh my God, holy crap out loud. It looked brutal. But yeah, I really like this one. Better than day three. That's interesting because I have a yeah. dissenting opinion. Just yeah. I'm oh, so no. sorry, but I, I did not to, like this match at all. I, yeah, I didn't like this match at all. I'm sorry. I thought actually like this is where I started to kind of get like almost panicked about Jake because to me, something felt so off about this match. I thought they didn't gel. I thought that Jake just seemed actually really sluggish and almost disengaged from what he was doing. And that damn laugh I can't (laughs) that laugh I I just I have had a problem with this laugh since he started doing it when he first debuted this character when Total Eclipse was formed and that whole change was brought about and then he kind of stopped doing it when he became Triple Crown Champion or he wasn't doing it nearly as much and then I feel like now in this Champion Carnival when he's now that he's back he was doing it constantly and I never think that it doesn't come across, I think, the way maybe he wants it to because it doesn't sound authentic. It just sounds really hollow and out of place. And he did it a lot in this match. But I didn't I didn't like this match at all. I thought he was sluggish. I didn't think they gelled. And this is where I started to get really concerned about what this carnival was going to turn out to be for him, especially because we had strong suspicions that he was meant to at least make it to the end. So yeah, this this didn't work for me. And I was really worried about Jake coming out of it. Well, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm glad you did. I, I really didn't. I thought Irie looked weirdly clunky. Um, and then, yeah, it uh, was a little unfortunate for Jake. I think Alicia said it best. And we talked about this match uh, almost immediately after we had watched it, where um, it almost felt like a retcon in Jake's character, where he had somewhat sort of become a little more comfortable in this heel role. And then he just sort of went right back into this goofy, really try hard wannabe character, which is very unfortunate for a uh, match on the same show as Ryuki Honda. Though Honda wasn't really in touch with that, you know, evil anime side either. So who is to say? He needs to lose a laugh. It doesn't do anything for him. Like it's, yeah, it hurts his character more than it uh, helps it. And on to the main event, I thought this was very, very good. Um, I think it's the first match in the carnival that uh, Nomura's opponent didn't work his style. Kento is basically like, I'm the ace. I'm not going to do your grappling. I'm not going to be down on the mat. Um, you're going to work my style. And yeah, Nomura completely crushed it. This was great. I really, really liked it. I was hoping Nomura would win just for like a triple crown opportunity and he'd stick mm-hmm. around or Japan a bit more. But um, no, I love this match. They have crazy good chemistry. And I was immediately thinking, I was thinking the same thing as you, Jesse. I was thinking like, how do we get him to stick around? Which feels like inherently kind of <laughs> selfish because he has other things that he does and outside of all Japan. But like, how do we get him to stick around? But also I was thinking about something Rachel has said to me. And Rachel, I don't know if you said it on the show or if you've said it to me just privately, 
but like he would be such an interesting fit for next stream and I like I just really yeah Jesse's making faces I, I really <laughs> I just really like um his chemistry with Kento like it, it's very very interesting the way that they play off of each other and it just sort of works and um they have some great moments too um on like the final night that we can probably talk about later that were really interesting so as well but um yeah like this was just this was a really really good main and um you know, probably, I think this actually came in above even the Yuma match for me in terms of like the Nomura matches um, and just under the Suama one for me. I really, really liked this one. This just worked for me. And um, I really do recommend going out of your way to watch all of the Nomura Champion Carnival matches on this tour. But I really liked this one. So if you're a big fan of Kento, this one will obviously speak to you a lot. Yeah, I, I love this match. Nomura is just, he's really good and uh, definitely worth the hype that I had seen going into this uh, tournament. And I think you said it best. I just sort of wanted him to win so he could stick around. <laughs> I, I did. I was the one who, who really, really wanted him in next stream. So when I saw that they were tagging together on the May 4th show, I just like was pointing at the screen excitedly, uh, just absolutely thrilled because, uh, their chemistry is just truly unparalleled. And I think he'd be a really fun fit. Like he, he's so personality different that sort of watching them sort of learn how to gel would be really really fun so not to uh, obviously not to take away from his BJW work because he is really fantastic over there from what I have seen but I wouldn't mind if he just played around in AJPW for a little bit longer I do have to say I made that face because I never thought about it, um, him in next stream but now that you said it, I'm just like oh my gosh he and Kento would just be like hilarious like yeah yeah come to all japan come to next dream yeah they have this sukome bokeh sort of personality that would just be a really really fun time on april 15th we have day five shigehiro irie defeated honda in 10 minutes and eight seconds yuma defeated yoshitatsu in under 10 minutes suji defeated ashino in 12 minutes and in the main event suama defeated kuma in 14 minutes with day five not to be negative but I feel like it was kind of a slump in the tournament I think people were looking forward to the show the day after this which was the all Japan new Japan show more than this show but I there was still stuff to talk about so let's talk a little bit about Honda um going in uh Shigehiro Irie uh versus Honda where Honda didn't have any wins at this point and spoiler alert would finish this tournament without any wins uh, this match felt very 50-50 to me. So I think sort of putting this match at midway was a really good idea. Um, sort of showing that midway point of Honda where, oh, is he going to go the whole thing without any wins or will he overcome the slump? So you calling it a slump day was actually really interesting to me because I thought this uh, match was like really evenly paced between the two of them, especially once they started getting to those power moves. Were, were either of you surprised by Honda's trajectory through this tour? Not really. I think he's still like, what, three months into his proper career. Like he's elevated from rookie in January. So I think this was like, you know, okay, you're in the big time now. 
you know, this, it's, it gets harder from here. I thought he'd get one win and I thought it'd be over Jake. I thought that would lead to um, total eclipse tension, mm-hmm. but obviously he gets zero. So I was, I was surprised he got zero. Yeah, I think that's it, is that I shouldn't have been surprised because he is so new into his career and really you would think like, okay, yeah, he's, you know, coming out of his rookiehood and uh, still just sort of looking for big wins consecutively. But he's also had, you know, some big wins. He, you know, defeated Oshino in that tournament to uh, determine triple crown champion he's sort of already been elevated so yeah I was a little surprised that they just let him go all the way through and I definitely and we'll talk about this in the very next day day six um I definitely thought he could have had it over Jake Lee so I'm with you on that yeah hearing you talk about that Jesse puts things in perspective I guess so that's helpful but I like to Rachel's point I was surprised that he almost had like a young boys champion carnival when he doesn't really feel like a young boy anymore, especially because like Rachel said, he has that win over Ashino. He went and competed for the triple crown against Kento. So I was surprised that he had something akin to a young boys champion carnival, but the carnival is also incredibly different than having a major singles match. Like there is like a difference in kayfabe with that sort of thing. So I don't know, kind of interesting though. I, I was, I definitely was not expecting him to go uh, through this tournament with zero points. That did surprise me in the end. The thing that will always be on my mind is would we still feel the same about Honda if Jake didn't get injured and there was no triple crown match against Kento, you know, would we be like, okay, you know, he gets zero points. He should get more. Or would he not even be in the carnival? Like we don't know. So there's a lot to think about and we will really never know the answer unfortunately isn't that the incredible thing about wrestling though (laughs) is is that there's a million different trajectories and a million different alternate universes out there where we could play what if with but we're we're living in the one where uh they kind of had to push honda and he really rose to it and rose to the challenge and i'm happy to see him uh sort of blooming and i wish they let him bloom a little bit more but we'll see we'll see how it goes for yuma and yoshitatsu this was okay i thought the finish was great when yoshitatsu kind of tried to get yuma in was that a triangle lock or something and yuma's like no i'm just gonna roll you up (laughs) oh yeah i think he got yeah 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 Uh Yeah, uh he did We had to talk about a Yoshitatsu match somewhere. No, I thought it was fun. Um, I Like I said, I thought uh, Yuma really just sort of shined on his uh, personality. Again, going back to that charisma, that undeniable charisma he has. So I thought it was fine. Uh, Suji and Ishino, I thought this was an absolute masterclass in working the leg. He kind of took it from what T-Hawk was doing, like chopping the leg off the giant. And it was great. And it turned into a slugfest and... It was my match of the day. I thought it was great. Yeah, mine too. In my notes, I have this rocked. So <laughs> I, I I really like this one. These two do work really well together. So, you know, not surprised that these two took match of the day. And there was this really cool reversal from Ashino into the ankle lock. And he's just so great at those. And again, like Ishikawa had a really consistent and really good 
um, carnival pretty much the whole way through. So yeah, I really like this one. It's far and away the, the match of um, match of the day, even though, like you said, Jesse, it's a little bit more of a slump day. This match really made me miss heel Ashino. <laughs> it, it really did just showing off like sort of that opportunistic side and that reversal was really good. I actually thought the match was going to end right there. I was kind of disappointed. It didn't. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this, this was definitely far and away kind of almost a no contest for a uh, match of the day for me. I thought the main event between Suama and Kuma was a bit of a weird choice considering Suji and Ashina was on the card, but they, they did make it work. It did turn out to be a good match in the end, but there was a weird spot where Suama seemed to legit hurt his ribs after the torture rack from Kuma. And he was a bit slow after that. I don't know if he did legit hurt his ribs or like, you know, he's just pretending, but yeah, it did look, did look great. I did think that this match was better than their last singles match, which was, I believe in the run up to the runaway suplex, excuse me, runaway mm-hmm. suplex total eclipse match. So it was better than that one, in my opinion, but um, just an okay match, just an okay uh, main event for day five. I had totally forgotten about the uh, runaway suplex versus uh, Kumadoi um, preview matches. So thank you for reminding me that. But yeah, I, I did think that uh it was it was okay it's another one where i think if they had switched the main and semi-main the the day would have felt stronger uh and that's that's really all i have to say on that i thought that there was uh some fun stuff i still think that kuma looks really good this tournament day six starts on april 23rd we had yuma defeated kuma in just under 10 minutes jake lee defeated Ruki honda in 10 minutes and 45 seconds Shukahiro Irie and Tiok wrestled to a 30-minute draw, and Kento defeated Yoshitatsu in 13 minutes. Yuma and Kuma, it was okay. Nothing crazy to mention. It was really shithead Yuma versus big boy Kuma, which it works. They um, do have really good chemistry in their tag matches. They're always the last two in the ring who work like the last 15, 10 minutes, and they make it work, but it was okay. The finish worked in that one. I think that was probably the thing that tied the match together, but just an okay match. Yeah, this this day in general um, had some had some highlights, but uh, there was it was very okay overall. I feel like speaking of a highlight of day six, uh, let's talk a little bit about Jake Lee versus Ryuki Honda. Honda made good on his promise. He said he was gonna. Uh, break Jake's face again obviously he didn't break it but he went straight for it he was mocking his eye injury like holding his eye making fun of Jake it was heel Honda it was it was good this match was important because Jake actually brought some really good intensity bad laugh was there but he you know, he really has like a nice chemistry going with Honda and he really did bring like that intensity that's been missing from the previous matches. So that was really important. And I really, this match left me just wanting to see the same intensity from him, the same consistency from him, the same focus the entire way through. And I think that it was really this match where that became the turning point for him for the rest of the tournament. If he didn't have this match on day six, it wouldn't have looked very good for him for the rest of the tournament. Because for me, something was lacking and something wasn't quite there. And I really do say this with a lot of love in my heart because I believe very strongly in Jake Lee 
as a wrestler, but he needed to have a strong day six and this match in particular needed to go well because they've been teasing something between these two for a while, but it worked. The, the story was here between the two and the interactions between the two afterwards were not, I think, what any of us were anticipating. Yeah, this is another one where the action of the match is good, but the really compelling part is how it ties into the storyline. And I think you were dead on. I know uh, we had a really interesting conversation about what we sort of wanted out of Jake's character. And you really, um, Alicia had mentioned that you wanted to see sort of this bitterness of him sort of fighting against this bad luck that had overcome him and just sort of fall into this bitterness fighting back, you know, almost fighting spirit, overwhelming him. And when you get that sort of evil laughter, you lose that part of his character, but you could really feel it coming out a little bit more here. And uh, a lot of that is because Honda is such a good heel character. When they come together in clash, you get a lot of layers to Jake Lee's character and and Honda to an extent too but I, th- I think it was a, a really good sort of storytelling match character match if that's something that you guys love about wrestling I definitely say you should definitely check out Jake Lee and Ricky Honda and they were very like amicable yeah post-match like there was no like it it was very odd because it ended very much like the Ashino match where like I just I think if I remember correctly they just everyone loves (laughs) everyone loves Honda that's just it you can't dislike him no everyone loves Honda that's the theme of the tournament they basically shook hands they showed quite a bit of post-match respect which is I don't think again like at least that's not I don't want to speak for everybody else that's not what I was expecting I wasn't also expecting that from Ashino and and Honda. So at this point, we have some very conflicting things here, some different components to these stories that we were not expecting, I think. Yeah, it could very well turn into like a a friendship triangle between the uh, three of them trying to figure out uh, where their alliances lie, which could be really interesting. And we might talk about it later in the, in the month with uh, Jake Lee and Ruki Honda to quote Alicia's matching sunnies. But uh, yeah, they've, they've sort of become besties after this match, which is very, very weird. But uh, I thought it was enjoyable. I don't want to mention that Honda got a lot of offense in. I was thinking Jake might go the route of, okay, he's a leader of Total Eclipse. Honda's going to get like nothing. Jake's going to dominate. But I like that Honda got a lot of offense. And I thought it was a bit weird that Jake got a submission win. Since this was his first of the tournament and he doesn't do it in any other match. What were your thoughts on the draw of Irie and T-Hawk? Uh, this was long. <laughs> it was a draw, but it was long. Yeah, this did not... Um, I don't have a ton of notes on this one. This didn't work for me. It was long. I did not love this, this matchup. And um, I love Irie. I'm a big fan of watching him wrestle. I... It, um, it's not to say that I that I don't like T-Hawk. It's just that he doesn't connect with me. So this match going as long as it did, it just didn't work for me. I um, have a confession. I watched this match on double speed. As soon as <laughs> I saw that it was a draw, um, T-Hawk also doesn't connect with me. And I just quickly went and turned it on double speed. And um, yeah, it was it was decent. 
Um, Irie is fantastic. I just, I really don't have much to say about this match. It's truly, truly not built for me. Uh, what do, what about you, Jesse? No, I agree. But one thing I do like, I'm a fan of like faction teammates in singles matches. So seeing as they were both strong hearts, I was looking forward to this, but I didn't want a draw. I guess it had to be to for the um, carnival points to work out in that way, but I didn't think it had to be a draw. It should have been like a quick sprint where they just both hit crazy big moves, but it is what it is. Yeah, that definitely would have been much better seeing them sort of pull out all the stops against each other. I could definitely have dug that. And in the main event, it was fine. Kento and Yoshitatsu was okay. The only note I have is Yoshi Tatsu copying the Kento corner headlock spot. It was a bit of fun, but other than that, it was it was a match. It was there. These two usually act... <laughs> I say this as someone who doesn't enjoy Yoshitatsu matches, but these two actually usually have much better matches. And I felt that this one didn't live up to previous Kento Yoshitatsu matches. So there's that. Yeah, usually when you ask for a good Yoshitatsu match, they're going to throw a uh, Kento match at you. Uh, So I had uh, high hopes for this match and it it fell a little flat for me, but there was some fun in it, just like Jesse said. Now we move on to the 24th of April, which was day seven and the last day for A Block. Ishikawa defeated Honda after 10 minutes. Ashino defeated Irie in 13 and a half minutes. Jake Lee defeated T-Hawk in 16 minutes to take out A-Block. He now moves to the finals for the second year in a row. Before we get to the Champion Carnival matches, there was a title match. Hikaru Sato defeated Black Menso with the headbutt after 15 minutes to retain the junior championship. And I think a lot of us loved this match. I will go out and say right now, it was my match of the day. It beat all of the Champion Carnival matches. I cannot speak oh, yeah. highly enough for this match. I absolutely loved it. I think um, they knocked it out of the park. They were just like, just because we're juniors doesn't mean, you know, we have to be in the background. They totally took the spotlight and they worked a different match than they usually were. There was no hijinks from Black Men's Array. There was no uh, submissions from Sato. They just beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, I was really surprised about how this uh, match ended up turning out in a very good way. And I think I had also said that about the uh, Sato Omori match as well. So Sato's run is becoming uh, quite the uh, dark horse, becoming quite a surprise of an ace run. I really, really hope it keeps up. Yeah, I love this match. I thought it was definitely my match of the night. They were not going to be overshadowed by the heavyweights. And that is something that just puts juniors above and beyond is when they really, really do not want to be overshadowed. I'm not like a, and this is, you know, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't love, I don't always love Black Mensouri. He's not, he's not my favorite. I don't always love the gimmick. I'm sorry, Jesse. I know that you love him, but um, he's not always my favorite, but I, I love how he stepped up here, especially when this was a short notice replacement for uh, Sato's original opponent and they, they really just went out and they killed it. I mean, I'm going to just echo Rachel and Jesse on just how um, excellent this was and uh, that this reign for Sato is really becoming a must watch. And what do we think about the challenge after this match? <laughs> I'm thrilled. This is just more hijinks. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> 
and we'll talk about it again at the uh, May 4th show as well. But uh, that was just so fun. Kodama pulled uh, poor Sato under the ring and then mocked him mercilessly. And I, I can not say enough about how fun that little segment was. Oh, and him like knocking on the mat as Sato was still <laughs> under the ring. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, just one more thing with the junior title match. They got one day to prepare. This was supposed to be Hiroshi Yamato versus Sato, but mm-hmm. um, Yamato is a close contact, so he had to pull out. So they got one day to prepare this match, and I've already said it. I, I loved it. I thought it was excellent. Next up, we had the oldest versus the youngest champion carnival competitors of this year. Um, I love Wada not giving a crap about Honda. He was fast counting um, when Honda was outside the ring. He refused to count Honda's pins. I liked Honda scoring after him. And like, it's like, this is Wada. You can't score <laughs> after him. You've seen the crap he's dealt with through like, well, he's almost 50 years of refereeing. You're, you're like, you'll get there one day, but not yet. I do like that uh, Wada is slowly losing all of his patience for Honda and Honda is climbing the ranks up there with Kento as far as uh, Wada shenanigans go. And that's uh, very, very, very enjoyable. Uh, This match made me kind of upset. I really, really wanted Honda to get that one point, especially over Ishikawa. I thought it would be such a good moment. So uh, I I kind of cried a little bit, like got a little teary eyed for Honda there but uh yeah otherwise it was it was a decent match and we're up to the machine or match I didn't really have a ton of notes on it just that it was a good showing for Ashino yeah I really liked it I liked the finish a whole lot I love about Ashino matches is that when you see his hand just drift a little too close to his opponent's ankle and you just know in your heart the match is just finished that is to me the perfect Ashino match and uh, having Erie sort of beating him down and you know Ashino looks defeated and you just see that hand sort of flop by the ankle to signal to the audience hey look at this and then it was over and I thought that was just the perfect finish. I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah, I thought it was a great showing for Ashino. Irie is always great. There were a couple of good reversals in this match. One that I loved was when Ashino went for an uppercut and Irie reversed into a sleeper hold. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, but the, like you said, the ending was really good. And um, Ashino defeated the Gorora TV title holder. So Maybe double champ Ashino in the future. <laughs> it's a point. That's a good point. We could drape him in belts before you know it. <laughs> and in the main event to take out A Block, Jake Lee defeated T Hawk. I thought it was good. In my notes, I have T Hawk is very, very loud and animated. I thought it was good. When first reading the list of matches, I thought it was an odd choice to end A Block with Jake and T Hawk. But like I said a million times, I thought it was good. I agree with you, Jesse. I was I was unsure of the of that match pairing to end it, but I did think that Jake looked much more awake here. He was very explosive, and that's what I had been missing from him. Um, like I said throughout the entire first half of the tournament, so I was just happy to see him ending the and ending and winning a block on a good note. That he looked really strong going into the final. Yeah, I think this was my favorite T Hawk match in general. And I thought Jake Lee looked really, really good going into it. 
uh, I still couldn't really tell you what they were doing with T-Hawk's character. I think when I first saw this match as the ending uh, match of A Block, I had something different in my head. Like, oh yeah, the, you know, the dark villain ace versus T-Hawk, who's, you know, Stronghearts ace. And it was close to that, but it still with the rest of T-Hawk's tournament, it didn't quite sit the way I thought it would. I thought it was a fine match though. And day eight on April 29th was the last day of B Block. We had Namora defeating Kuma in just over 11 minutes. Tatsu defeated Suwama in seven minutes. And Kento and Yuma ended in a 30-minute draw. And with this draw, Yuma takes out B Block and heads to the finals for the first time in his career. And I do want to say that we actually, I think, missed talking about that tag that set up Kento and Yuma, <sighs> um, <laughs> which is, you know, that tag was really entertaining. And then when uh, at the end, Yuma sort of mocked Kento by just acting like Kento, which was a really great way to set up the this match between them. But just wanted to mention that. Uh, Nomura and Kuma, it, it was good. Kuma showed off his strength and Nomura really had to fight for all the offense um, he got. I was surprised that Nomura won. I thought Kuma would get another win, at least two wins. But um. Yeah, it was okay. And with Swama and Tatsu, it, it needed what it needed to be. Short and have a Swama loss. That loss annoyed me. My only notes say nonsense for that match. So that's how I feel about Suwama taking that loss off of Yoshitatsu. I tried to make myself feel better by saying that it was a part of Suwama's like, good guy storyline which it is to an extent, but it's, yeah, it it was not a finish that needed to happen. Um, Not really. And uh, yeah, I think more than anything, it mostly just sets up for uh, evolution coming in backstage to uh, demand that they get the old Suwama back. I think that's the only real benefit to that match. (laughs) But apart from that, the main event was great. I love Yuma Kento matches. It's, oh, it always stresses me out, but (laughs) I love watching them. Um, I thought it was a great way to finish off the B block. They were both super desperate to get the win. Yuma said um, to Kento, I don't care if I lose every other match in the tournament. As long as they defeat you, that's fine. Yeah, they just, they do a wonderful job sowing the seeds of their rivalry and their friendship and their brotherhood. And it's, you know, kind of lovely. This match was great. And I think that when I found out it was a draw, I was just so thrilled because for some reason, when it comes to like tournaments, I always forget that draws are an option, even though I know they happen and they demonstratively have happened throughout this tournament. But when I found out they went to a draw, I was like, fantastic. Because no matter what happens after this, there's still so much potential for what's going to happen with them moving forward. And this was like the absolute right result and just an incredibly great showing from both of them. That's going to lead to so many possibilities for next stream for the two of them, really regardless of what was going to end up being the carnival result. We knew at that point that it was going to be Yuma versus Jake, but it doesn't matter who win, who would win the carnival. We know that that draw is going to continue to push that story forward of 
can Yuma one day overcome Kento? Can he get to the point where he can really stand as an equal to Kento and not be standing in Kento's shadow, which is also a story that Jake has told um, and is still telling, actually. So these this, these stories are just so incredibly compelling and it made this draw all the more exciting to see, I guess. Yeah, it was really satisfying. I think the best phrase for this match was a, a war of attrition. They definitely were, they looked like equals. They felt like equals. The draw was the right choice to show that they are equals and to set up, we didn't know at the time, but to set up uh, a future Yuma versus Kento title match. And that was uh, very, very exciting. And I thought it was just the right choice all the way through. I thought this match was fantastic. Uh, Kento and Yuma were sort of my awakening to sort of what All Japan could be. Uh, Last year, that was definitely my match of the year for the promotion. And uh, yeah, I I really just was very excited for this match and it didn't let me down. No, I agree with what both of you said. It was a great match. The draw was the right move. I just still want that Yuma 1v1 win against Kento. I think it will come this year. I'm probably 90% positive it will come this year, but we just have to wait and see. Could come this coming month. Yeah. (laughs) And the final day was May 4th. Yuma Oyagi defeated Jake Lee in 30 minutes and 24 seconds to become a champion carnival winner for 2022. This was the first time since 2017 that Kento is not involved in the deciding match of the Champion Carnival. So this was, I think it was a big step and it was a step in the right direction that Kento didn't need to be involved in this match. I just love it. I just want to say over and over again, like, I love this match. So I, I can say that <laughs> this match to me really showed off their individual strengths and Jake in particular, his striking and his grappling were so on point. Um, in this match and the explosiveness like I've been talking about was really there and just consistent like I've wanted it to be he really looked like a credible threat and I that's what I've wanted from Jake and that's what I really wanted out of his um, first triple crown reign so I was so happy to finally see him come into that here I think he really needed that and I just think he just it needed to click for him and it really did it, it clicked later in the tournament maybe than we thought it was going to but it did so by the time we get to him in this final you know he, he just he looked really good he looked fully awake which was really good and you know it's important I think to recognize and we've talked about this I think on every single episode of Kickout we've talked about it I think almost in every single episode of this <laughs> show what Jake went through last year in being champion carnival winner and then going on to win the triple crown in front of no audiences and just the look on his face when he won champion carnival last year and just how clearly unhappy he was I'm just really thrilled that he got to this point where he he didn't win, but he got to be here in front of an audience and I think get something that he did not get out of the experience last year, which I'm really grateful for. And I really felt like Yuma looked like the main event. And I think he's looked like that for a long time now. I think this is like a role that is very easy for him to slip into, but Yuma just looks so ready to carry this company and it showed in this match he the suplex sequence that these two had was just fantastic with Yuma just finally overcoming Jake in the end and they just played off each other so perfectly like the light in the dark they looked great together so these were the those were the components of the match that I really loved the most and one thing I really loved from Jake as well he did a curb stomp which was (laughs) phenomenal he looked 
so good doing it. I want him to not do the moonsault anymore. Like don't do the new moonsault. Do things like the curb stop because that to me makes more sense for him in character than him trying to do the moonsault. Um, and I think it would also be better for his body long run as well. So to me, uh, that curb stomp was such a high point of what he showed in his arsenal during that match. And I hope we continue to see that Jake Lee moving forward. Yeah, I don't really have any notes that aren't what you guys have already said. And you said it beautifully. I really, really love that curb stomp. As soon as Alicia messaged, like, do you mind spoilers? Jake did a curb stomp. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I got to go watch this match. Uh, it was just really good. I think it's the best match I've seen from either competitor. I just was really blown away. It was such a good match. I like that there was no laughing from Jake really he just played it straight and that's again he like he said it once but it was like not was as not as like bad as when he normally does it I think he maybe did it once but like you said it wasn't really as much of a focus in this match for him as it is in others so it's weird yeah I actually forgot that he had done it because it was such a minor thing and um really his heel side just came out when he, when he was brutalizing Yuma and it was a really really good match I do want to say that the crowd just was absolutely wild for this match like you could really feel it just the gasping at a lot of those kickouts and um, to your uh, point with Yuma looking like a main eventer the crowd really you could feel how badly they wanted Yuma's big win and when he got it you they just you know, that they, pop, they broke the rule. Oh yeah. You could feel the pop. It was <laughs> just pure serotonin. Absolutely. Just a really, really good moment. And uh, yeah, I, I really felt this match. The energy of this match was impeccable. Yeah. Like I, I don't have proper words except for, I love this match. Like these two are some of my favorites in all Japan. I think they, they do share the same story. Like you said, they're still one step behind Kento. And I don't know if one of them is going to break through. There was a moment at the start, which I overanalyzed. And it's such a small moment when Yuma's on the ropes, like doing his pose when he gets in the ring. There's a shot of Kento just in the background, like he's looming in the background. Like, you know, he's watching, but, you know, that will be his spotlight once again. He was taken away from Yuma, which Yuma hopes um, won't happen. But um, with the end, when Yuma hit the full, I was like, no. he's not gonna win and then Jake kicked out and then he hit the full again and I was full on freaking out I was like I was like f off f off this is not gonna happen it's not gonna happen and then he count three and the audience exploded I was very very happy (laughs) I love when someone's favorite wrestler wins something it's so nice (laughs) what's that like (laughs) Alicia and I wouldn't know (laughs) but but we can enjoy it by proxy (laughs) And no, truly, 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 it was an incredible moment. I was very happy for Yuma, but I was also very happy for Jesse. Um, and that's, it was just a really great moment. And Yuma is our youngest champion carnival winner now. And he could be the youngest triple crown winner if he Ooh. wins it before October, a date in October. If he wins it before then, then he'll take Kento's um, record for youngest triple crown winner. that's a that's a big one wow now I really want him to win speaking of Kento I mean I think that these two were perfect in how they ended 
the show together. We're seeing a very interesting side of, of next stream, if you will. You know, we, we've, we've also kind of fear-mongered over, <laughs> over what's going to happen to next stream, who's going to betray who, et cetera. But I kind of felt this way throughout the tournament because there's been some interesting moments throughout a couple different tags. The younger guys um, got mad at Kento at one point and did something to him during a tag. I can't remember exactly what, but th- those moments to me, like nothing has felt like next stream is headed to ruin. It just feels like a different, like next stream's in a different place and nothing demonstrates that further than how those two were in the ring. This is purely about is Yuma going to be able to overcome and step out of Kento's shadow? Can he beat him one-on-one? And Kento came out from commentary and came down to the ring and they they stood and faced each other. Yuma did tease suplexing uh, Kento, which was very funny. He called it an all Japan joke, which is great. It is an all Japan joke now, but these two are in a very different place with each other. Um, and it's going to be really compelling to see how the story continues to unfold. You know, is this going to be Yuma's big moment? Is he going to get there before Jake gets there? With the suplex that he did, this is actually the second time he teased a German suplex on Kento. So Kendo better get used to it because I think it's going to happen a lot. <laughs> I think you're right. It's just their thing. It's just a, a harmless rib. It's how they show their friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> some people do handshakes. Some people wear matching sunglasses. Some people do German <laughs> suplexes. Some people in Total Eclipse do wear matching sunglasses. That's the matching Sunny's bit because now Jake and Honda are doing that as if everything's cool and they didn't threaten each other almost the whole way through to their match <laughs> to this champion. There's a lot of strange behavior in this tournament. Next stream seem incredibly well adjusted. Total Eclipse now. Um, we've got the Jake and, and Honda besties wearing matching sunnies. And then like Suama is losing it. And like on this card, on the May 4th card, there was a, a tag and I don't have it in my notes again, who it was like evolution versus who now? Uh, Ren Ayabe and Twin Towers. Right, Twin Towers. Right. Saito and Suji. So <laughs> first of all, <laughs> Suwama opens us up by trying to shake Shuji's hand and Shuji slaps that hand out of the way. And it's like, he's so thrown off by that happening. And that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> and then at, like, there was real tension with runaway suplex. Mm-hmm. Like there's some... There's something brewing now. This is getting like really, really weird and really interesting. Like this is not going to be like some isolated incident. Like, this is going to play out in storyline. It seems like Suama ended up like quote retweeting like a like a video screen capture of like him with Dan like in between him and Ashino backstage, and his t- tweet translated out to "This crisis will only make the team stronger." <laughs> which is just bananas to me. Like I am so compelled by the storyline. I need to know what's going to happen, but what's going to make me laugh really, really hard is if nothing happens to next stream, they get through 2022 unscathed and the faction ends up imploding is actually evolution, which like should have been the unsinkable ship. It's, it would break my heart, but yeah, it would be really, really funny. I, uh, just can't help but go back at the uh, this crisis will only make the team stronger just makes me think of that Tokyo sports reporter of whenever Suwama starts thinking problems arise <laughs> and that's exactly what this uh, echoes out to I do find it really interesting when um, they did do their little backstage promo 
uh, from the show before where they were just trying to talk sense into Suwama and Suwama really wasn't having it. Ashina was pretty logical with him. He was very like calmly explaining like why we need the old Suwama back where uh, Sato was, was a lot more emotional. He was very anime about it. It was, it was very entertaining, but uh, yeah, it, it felt very uh, interesting that um, Ashino sort of feels or seems to feel like Suwama's kind of sacrificing the runaway of runaway suplex um, by playing this good guy. And um, so I don't know how much longer their tag team will be around, but we'll see. I feel bad for Dan. He's caught in the middle. <laughs> like he had to help uh, Sato and Ashina be friends and that worked out. Then he tried uh, to get Suwama and Ashina to shake hands backstage. Ashina like kind of blew him off. Um, yeah, just like, be friends with Dan, Suwama, just go back to your old um, rampaging self. Like, I fear for their tag team belts now. I do. Speaking of the tag team belts, I worry about how much longer those belts are going to be able to survive. Like, they're gorgeous belts. They're the original belts. But I think that they need to have, like, a fundraiser for getting, <laughs> the, getting new ones because I don't know how much longer those things can stay whole and that's concerning because they are the originals so my genuine hope for this year is that by the end of the year we see new tag belts yeah i was saying um they could introduce it in tag league mm-hmm. and whoever wins tag league gets the new belts but we'll see belts are expensive yeah <laughs> <laughs> just one more thing about that match did you notice on their tights they both had runaway suplex logos like normally Ashina has a uh, master of suplex and she um, Swama has evolution, but they both had runaway suplex. I'm like, okay, now they get matching tights. Now they're going to break up. Like I didn't that's the kiss that, of death. That's the kiss of death. It always yep. is. Yep. It's, it's either a new t-shirt or matching. Uh, oh, so matching is tights. so weird. They're going to break up. <laughs> they're going to break up. <laughs> yeah. Swama's a weirdo. Well, I'm glad we're all, uh, deciding on this now so that when it happens it won't hurt no it's gonna hurt (laughs) yeah so let's talk a little bit about again my favorite storyline Hikaru Sato and Rising Hayato after the match with a little bit more of this under the ring nonsense with uh, Yusuke Kodama (laughs) so the match itself was really just okay However, after the match, we had a little bit of a really fun angle with uh, Sato just knocking on the ring to uh, sort of uh, talk to Kodama because Kodama apparently just lives under the ring, uh, watches the whole show from there, even though he was in the previous match. Um, So Sato was uh, just, hey, you down there? And then uh, Kodama snuck up behind him, was patting him. It was a very, very comic Looney Tunes sort of moment of Sato brushing him away. And uh, was like, no, no, not now, not now. I'm talking to Kodama. And then uh, Kodama was behind him and he fell over. It was very animated. It very shows off uh, Sato's excellent comedic timing. This whole tournament has just been a masterclass in uh, Sato's facial expressions and Sato his uh, comedic timing he is just so 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 funny um which is saying something because this is a very funny roster definitely watch that post match because that was very fun i'm very excited for this match 
Kodama looks really good right now too. Like this, I think that this is going to be an, another excellent defense for Sato. I really do. And like, I, I'm going to knock on wood because like, I, I don't want to jinx him, but I really have a hard time believing that they're going to take this belt off him before the Budokan. So I'm anticipating this Kodama defense to just be another excellent showing for the both of them. I really do think that they're both going to put on an excellent performance. So I, I can't wait. And like Rachel was saying, I mean, like all of the, the hijinks around this and just Sato's comedic timing and how funny and effortlessly funny Kodama can be. I mean, all of that is just all the more reason to watch that storyline. Yeah, I can't imagine them not having excellent excellent chemistry during their match uh so i'm very excited to see how it goes final points for a block we had jake lee on eight choto Oshino had six points as did suji ishikawa t-hawk and shigure iria had five points and riki honda had zero in b block yuma ayagi was on top with seven Kento Mihara and Takuya Nomura both had six. Suama had five. Yoshitatsu had four. And Kuma Arashi had two. One thing I do love about this company is they have really short matches sometimes. Out of every single um, champion tournament match except for the finals, there were 24 matches, 15 and under. And there were nine matches that were under 10 minutes. Only seven matches went over 20 minutes. And um, some notes on good guy Suwama. <laughs> he tried to um, shake hands every single match started. You accepted. Kento made him shake Wada's hand instead. Nomura slapped his hand away. Kuma denied the handshake. And Yoshitatsu grabbed his hand and then kicked him in the head. So he got one out of five. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's so weird. Oh. <laughs> uh. He tried his best, but only one person um, reciprocated the handshake. And I think with the Yuma handshake, Yuma was being Yuma about it, and he almost made he almost made Suama corpse. So that was quite the moment. Oh yeah, he like held the pose, just sort of like contemplating what had just happened to him. And uh, he almost did. To be fair, Yuma almost did that to Jake too <laughs> when they started <laughs> yeah. the match. The champion carnival final, he was doing like, he was doing something weird. He was doing like a weird pose and he, he made Jake smile. <laughs> okay. So now moving away from champion carnival, we had the all Japan, new Japan show. And the results are Yoshitatsu, Master Wato, Ryusuke Takuchi defeated Takao Omore, Rehei Oiwa, and Yuto Nakashima. Toru Yanu and Tajiri defeated Black Mentori and Yoshinobu Kam- Kanemaru. Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Hiromi Takahashi, and Bushi defeated Yuma Oyagi, Atsuki Oyagi, Togi Makabe, and Tomaki Honma. Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi, and Yo defeated Suama, Shoto Oshino, and Dan Tamura. And in the main event, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kenta Mihara versus Jake Lee and Tachi. That went to a 30-minute time limit draw. This show was delightful, actually. I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> of course, we could only watch the cut version, but uh, I thought that they threw in probably the most important spots and just some really cute moments between everybody. Um, we'll talk about that on our April happy moments. 
but I really, I really liked it. I actually really liked the Yano Tajiri versus uh, Mensuri and Kanemaru match sort of out of nowhere. I didn't expect to love that match so much, but I thought Yano and Tajiri were really fun together. And um, Mensuri and Kanemaru had a very weird chemistry and it was, it was surprisingly a great match. I liked that match too. And then like, just on a more emotional level, I guess, like I really like that Kanemaru got to go back to like he they were like he was in like an all Japan space I guess um because that's where he started that's where he started his career so like those things um I think are really meaningful but that ended up being like a really good match I like that but there's like really not a bad match on this card it's a really good match or rather a really good card from top to bottom the tag between Los Ngobernables and uh, the Ayagi brothers, Makabe and Honma is another really great match um, to take a look at. Yuma is fantastic in that match in particular. He has really good chemistry with Hiromu and also with Shingo. Um, there's some really good moments between those guys in that one. And the main event was actually stellar. It's a great time limit draw between all of those guys. Incredible energy. Jake was excellent in that match. Tai Chi was an incredible replacement for uh, Sonata. It's a shame that Sonata didn't get to be a part of this event, but Tai Chi was the best person to fill that role. He was he was excellent in it. This show is on New Japan World. It's not on AJPW TV. I don't know if it's ever going to come to All Japan Streaming Services, but it is on World and it is worth checking out because like Rachel and Alicia said, it was a great show. Top to bottom, it was really fun. And it was great to see Corican Hall full again. Now we move on to April moments. And the first thing is we're going to take it back to the New Japan All Japan show. After the main event, Tanahashi got on the mic and told Jake to come to New Japan. There was no word on exactly what he means by that, but the G1 is coming up. So we could see Jake um, involved in that. Yuma wants to wrestle Shingo again, while Ashino wants to wrestle any New Japan wrestler. Meanwhile, Hiromu has taken a liking to Aski. So the matches have been announced for the Jumbo Saruta Memorial Show at the end of May. The main event will be all former Triple Crown champions. Kento Miyahara will team with Jun Akiyama and Minoru Suzuki to take on Jake Lee, Takawa Mori, and a Mystery X opponent. So that's really exciting, and the card looks excellent. If you would like to view the entire card, please check out Eastern Lariat on Twitter. They have the card. You can also go to GB underscore Memorial to see the card and everything there as well. But this looks like it's going to be truly excellent. And I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that the Mystery X person is going to be Joe Doring. I've heard some people speculate about Shiazaki. There's a lot of different really fun options for who X might be, but those are like who I would want X to be. Yeah, Shiazaki was my guess. I didn't even think about Doring. That's really exciting. Sakin Shrek Hideki shared a great photo. He took of all of the all Japan belts. It's um, on his Twitter. I think it's really worth checking out. It's just great to see like the newer belts, like the six man tag versus the uh, world tag team belts. It's just the history, really. It's great. We had Masanobu Fuji celebrate 48 years of wrestling in April and I think Alicia you posted or retweeted the photo of Sato praying to Suwama yes he was at another wrestling event and he had a picture of Suwama up on his phone and he was doing a Shinto prayer ceremony to 
that picture of Suama, which I thought was um, hysterical considering all that is going on right now with Suama. And he, he like put in the Shinto like gestures in with Suama's pose at the same time. It yeah. was really funny. Like it was just their evolution. <laughs> They're so great. And lastly, isn't so positive, but it's, we have to mention it. Um, Francisco Akira has left All Japan and he's now in New Japan. I believe this happened on day one of Champion Carnival. He is a former junior heavyweight champion. He won Junior Bell of Glory. He kind of always wanted to go to New Japan. I think that was his goal. He's now in the uh, United Empire. So take for that what you will. But I know it's not exactly the most popular stable. But he seems happy there. It sucks that he's gone. I said on Twitter, it kind of feels like a punch in the gut, but um, it happened. He's gone. I am still lost on why he won the junior belt and then very quickly lost it to Tajiri of all people. Like that still to me was such a bad move. So yeah, definitely all Japan's loss. And it's a shame because he was talented and he had been around for quite a while and they had used him um you know for different promotions for the dojo and you know seemed to really value him in that way so yeah a shame just a shame this is just me speculating but i think him winning the junior battle of glory then the junior heavyweight belt was kind of a thank you for staying during the pandemic when he could have gone home but he stayed there mm-hmm. and also i kind of found it weird because he was on such a big losing streak and then he came to the tournament and just won the whole thing but he was a good hand in the junior division. Unfortunately, he's gone. But I don't think it will be that big of a hole he left. If that's mean, I don't know. But that's just my opinion. Now we move on to questions. And the first one comes from Dan. And he asks, how much will someone have to pay us to take the lariat Sawama gave to Nomura? Like zero dollars. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> like it would suck but like I also did jujitsu for a while so like to me it's like I can probably like back break fall through it like it'll be fine my price oh, like some money my price is one autograph but specifically he has to sign the x-rays that I get after taking that lariat <laughs> in, from the hospital and then I would frame those x-rays Jesse yeah I was just- to extort Suama <laughs> give me some money the thing is if i take his lariat that means i'll be in japan so i get to see all japan shows so i mean like i don't need that much money but i'd like a little bit jesse wants a ticket pay for my show ticket yeah several show yeah. tickets that's what jesse wants hideki suzuki's purple trunks ask who will challenge at the big show now yuma has won the champion carnival do you see him walking in as champ um i had a theory that whoever loses the champion carnival final will challenge at the Budokan. I don't know if that will come true. I always thought Jake will be involved in some way, but thinking about it the last couple of days, I don't see Kento not walking into the Budokan as champion or at least a tag champion or something. I agree with you, Jesse. Like it's because it's the anniversary year and because they have that Budokan show and Kento is a massive draw. Like it really cannot be understated how much of a draw he is for that company. I can't see him not walking in to the Budokan as champion. So I don't see Yuma walking into the Budokan as the champion, no. But does that mean that he won't be the challenger for the Budokan? No. But I also do think that there's a lot of um, credence to your theory, Jesse, that Jake really could be the challenger there as well. I think, I think that Jake and Yuma 
are going to be very much at play for the Triple Crown, even as we continue to uh, do the fallout of Champion Carnival. And one thing we have to realize is even before the Budokan show, we have Champions Night 4. So we have to have a challenger for that. And Yuma gets his shot on the 15th of May. So Champions Night 4 could be Jake. And then the Budokan could be Kento versus Yuma part two. Or Kuma Arashi. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree, though, that uh, I really can't see anyone other than Kento um, walking into Budokan as champion. It just feels like the correct choice. I really do think that Jake Lee versus Kento is their big marquee match that they would want to put on Budokan. I can't say for sure, but that feels right for me. So that would be my wish and my guess. Uh, As much as I would love Yuma to challenge at the Budokan or even win next month, I would love that. But it's uh, it seems more sensible to have Kento going in. Next up, Joseph asks, should Ricky Honda still be in total eclipse after having zero points in the champion carnival? I'm going to say, yeah, I don't like the idea of kicking somebody out for having no, no points like that in the, in champion carnival. This made me laugh actually, when I saw the question, because I'm in the middle of finishing up a bunch of research on bullet club. And this feels like such a reactionary thing that would happen that would happen rather in bullet club that somebody would get kicked out for something like that. So that just made me laugh, but yeah, I don't, I don't really see Honda getting zero points as being a major problem other than like what Jesse said before he's still really like they just elevated him so is this going to be like a, a big deal for him probably not so I'm all for Honda staying in total eclipse although we're going to talk about we're going to talk about all the handshakes in a moment so I, I don't know what's going to end up happening but I, I do think he doesn't need to be kicked out of his faction for ending up with zero points yeah they have matching sunnies now everything is fine <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I do not think that he should be kicked out. That doesn't feel like Total Eclipse's sort of ethos, their style. Like you said, that's a more of a bullet club heel kind of thing. So. FTR for Real World Tag League campaign asks for our thoughts on the finish of Suama versus Namora. And second question is who was our champion carnival MVP? Well, we all enthused about the finish of Suama and Nomura I mean I thought it was excellent <laughs> there, there was no part of me that that uh had any issues with that finish at all so yeah that's kind of my thoughts on that I, I really I really did think it was a great match I love that veteran versus like young up-and-coming guy sort of matchup I'm always going to be a big fan of that so yeah I loved it loved it that's my thoughts on the finish in terms of champion carnival MVP I could go with Takuya Nomura I could also go with Shuji Ishikawa I thought they both had extremely dependable, solid carnival runs, um, truly excellent runs. I said at the beginning that Ishikawa was probably my choice, but in reality, it's probably Nomura because I, if I were to pull out like my favorite matches, like they're pretty much all Nomura's, right? So I would probably have to give the, give the nod to Nomura, but I really did feel like both of them just had really incredible, solid, dependable runs all the way through. The one thing about Suwama and Nomura that kind of worried me a bit is I don't know if you saw Wada count the pin. He really hesitated doing the um, third count. And like, yeah, Wada's slow, but this was like extra slow. Like he hesitated a bit. So I'm like, I don't know if that's the intended finish, but the match was great. Uh, my MVP is Suji. Simple as that. 
I think he looked great. I think he's had a great year and coming from Champions Night 3 into the Champion Carnival, it's just been all great from him. I immediately rewound that finish, I think three or four times and showed it to every single person in my apartment um, immediately. It was like, oh, you got to look at this. Um, So cannot understate how much I love that finish. Uh, As far as my MVP, yeah, it has to be Nomura for me. Uh, Really blew me away. Really, really just impressed. I love the grappling. I love the strikes. Um, Yeah, I I, like I said, I've heard nothing but good things about him. I was very curious. And uh, yeah, I just was blown away. Nomura's my MVP, not even close. Yuka Takaoka fan account asks, what were our thoughts on Black Mentori and Kanaka teaming up? I thought it was okay. If you don't know, at the end of the match, Black Mensa Ray gave his arm band compression thing to Kanaka. Kanaka's a weirdo. He fits in with uh, Black Mensa Ray <laughs> and Takao Mori perfectly. If they team up more, they'll be a great junior team. But I don't know. Kanaka doesn't appear that much in All Japan at all. So I don't know if he will appear more now. But, yeah, it was fine. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Nightclub Benkei. Hashtag Kanemaru, best of the Super Juniors, a.k.a. Zavi, asks us, how did it feel to enter the Tatsuverse and witness Honda in glasses all in one tournament? And if you could have one junior in a champion carnival next year, who would you pick? Well, first of all, Zavi. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm always forced to enter the Tatsuverse, so, like, nothing has changed. So that's that. But Honda in glasses has been a revelation. I've loved all his little selfies he's posted on Twitter. That's how he like promoted like all of his matches throughout the entire carnival was he would put a selfie of himself in his little glasses and put it on Twitter. Thought that was great. Highlight of the tournament for me to be sure. Very stylish. In terms of one All Japan Junior in Champion Carnival next year, I mean like I think the obvious answer for me is Sato. That to me is the the best matchups and I think the best match quality far and away. Yeah, I'm going to say we never left the Tatsuverse. We're always living in it. We can't escape it. Um, And I agree with what Alicia said about Honda in glasses. And also I agree with her about the junior in the Champion Carnival. It it has to be Sato. There's no other choice, really. It's Yoshitatsu's world and we're just living in it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I joked at the very first... uh, match with uh, Tatsu and Nomura I was like well I watched a whole Yoshitatsu match are you happy now Zavi um but yeah we're we were in the Tatsuverse but more importantly was uh definitely a Honda in sunglasses I love that he just buckled down on how good he looked at the uh press conference and decided to just go with it and he should continue to do that I remember fantasy booking um Honda and Sego Tachibana just in sunglasses and ostentatious colored suits together, just slob squatting. And I thought that would be fantastic. Uh, as far as champion carnival next year with a junior, I can't disagree in my knee jerk reaction with Sato and I'm going to stick with that. I'll throw out Kodama because I love him <laughs> and uh, I think it would be really fun to see him there too. Smiley wants to know our thoughts on Honda and Ashino shaking hands. Okay. So the when they shook hands, 
it blew my mind because we had, like we said before, it literally just came off of, we just came off of Champions Night 3 where Honda tried to stab Ashino. And now we're like at this like really blatant show of respect between the two of them. And it really threw me for a loop because I'm still living in this world where I want Ashino to get his revenge against Jake Lee. And that ties into my thoughts about their rivalry and why I've wanted this rivalry to like be a thing for so long and it hasn't really gone anywhere. So I immediately thought like, are they going to end up having this like alliance that leads to Jake being thrown out of Total Eclipse? And I did that, and I don't actually think that that means anything in terms of Honda and Ashino working together long term. I just think that sometimes, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that's what that would mean for them. So Ashino would continue to do whatever he's doing. I, and again, don't know what's happening with Evolution or Runaway <laughs> Suplex, but I think yeah. he would just continue to do what he's doing, which is really just carrying a candle for Enfants. And that would leave Jake to not do this heel character anymore. And um, Honda would be in a good position to um, take some sort of leadership role in Total Eclipse potentially. So that was my immediate thought of like, how does this all work? But in then Honda also having that show of respect with Jake after their match, I have no idea how to reconcile all of the shows of respect that we got between these men during this tournament. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Those are my thoughts on the shaking of the hands during this tournament. I I don't really know where I'm left with all this information. I just know that I want something to come of this. I just don't know what is going to come of this. I want to see Honda playing like double agent, double, triple agent, where he's like pretending to be friends with both of them to instigate something. I don't know what, I just want to see that. I think it would be a really fun little plot twist to, uh, yeah, put him in a leadership position. Um, There's also the idea of um, Ashino and Honda creating the anti-Jake alliance and creating Enfants 2. I guess actually more like Enfants 3. But uh, putting together uh, a faction together would be really interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of different things you can go with this, but uh, I definitely think that it's loaded i don't think it's nothing at first i kind of just wrote it off but now that we're sort of getting tension with runaway suplex i think it is something to look out for mcduncan's asks our thoughts on each participant's performance and i hope what we've said so far has been helpful for you i think we've kind of gone over each performing details except for maybe one tattoo but um Yeah, I hope that helps. We hope to do a roster episode in the future, so look out for that. But I do have a pinned comment on my Twitter about the whole roster of World Japan. So if you're looking for an introduction, I think looking there is a great way to start. Coming up for the rest of May, we have Super Power Series. It will kick off on the 14th. The 14th and 15th show will be held in Sapporo. And if I got my facts correct, they haven't toured there since about 2019. Superpower Series will take place on the 14th, 15th, 25th, and 29th of May. And Kento is scheduled to face the champion carnival winner, Yuma, for the Triple Crown on the 15th. We also have the Jumbo Saruda Memorial Show on the 31st. As of now, there is no way to watch that. There hasn't been any release, but if there is, I will post on Twitter. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting Talking Triple Crown. We hope you all enjoyed this episode all about Champion Carnival 2022.
You can find me on Twitter at Sister Jessie and at Royal Road 72. And you can find me, Rachel, at Milky Star. That's M-I-I-K-Y Star. And you can find me, Alicia, at Sharanui Kai with two eyes. And you can find us at Kickout 299. Please help us out and subscribe to us on your platform of choice. It's really going to help us out as we continue to try to grow Talking Triple Crown and also Kickout. And if you could please leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice, that would be really wonderful as well. Thanks once again and keep an eye out for our May episode.